This is Archiving Technical Theater History Podcast number 120. Good evening, everyone. My name is Rich Bryant, and I am your host for this podcast. Um, I know it's been a long time since uh, I've done one of these. Um, When I look at the history of my episodes, uh, I think the last episode was May of last year, so it has been quite some time. And It's uh, probably an understatement to say that a lot has happened uh, since that time. I know that there have been a lot of moving parts of uh, some different things happening in our lives, whether it be lockdowns or vaccinations or elections or any other kind of craziness. But uh, it's great to be uh, sitting back here behind the mic again um, to kind of give you a little update. you know, I think I went through a lot of the, the same emotions and feelings and things that everybody else has gone through in some variation. Um, you know, a lot of doubt, a lot of nervousness. And then every so often you get uh, a couple of uh, relief moments where you feel like everything's kind of going your way. And then, you know, it takes a kind of cools off. And then maybe, you know, there's a little valley there where it doesn't seem like anything's going on. But it seems like we're back on the upswing. So this is a good feeling. So wherever you are, wherever you may be listening from, um, I hope everything's going well for you in your, uh, in your home, in your town, in your country. Um, that's, uh, that's what, uh, I'm, I'm hoping right now, but let's get back into, uh, kind of what's going on. Uh, so in a way I feel a little bit more re-energized. Um, I've had a lot to, to chew on, a lot to think about. Uh, I've been listening to other podcasts, for a while now, just trying to get a different voice in my head. Um, one of the challenges of making a podcast is producing it, if you can believe that. It's not just you just turn on the microphone, you just start talking. There are a lot of people that do that, but a lot of planning has to go into it. And um, when you're a one-person operation, uh, it can get a little uh, stressful because you're always trying to get yourself on a, on a schedule, always trying to make sure that you know, you know you're editing yourself and that you're Uh, making sure that you're getting your idea across and things like that. Uh, Some people are really, really good at that. Um, I'm okay at that. I take a few tries uh, to hammer it out, to kind of get things across. And and even then, I'm still going to, you know, probably put it in the wrong context or maybe frame something a little odd or different. And that's okay. I think that's part of the the adventure of making a podcast is learning how to discover your voice and, you know, find out who you are. That's one the other thing, which leads me to talking about the arts. As most of you know, who are probably listening to this, um, the theater, uh, all performance um, has taken a really big hit over the last uh, 15 months. Um, you know, some people have been really ingenious in finding different ways to to make it work, uh, whether it be through the medium of, of online conferencing, which, by the way, I don't think any of us um, saw was going to happen. How many times did we think that the word Zoom was going to become part of our everyday language? A Zoom this, a Zoom that. You know, I it's it seemed like the furthest thing from uh, most of our minds, but it became the the go-to platform. Um, some people probably still did Skype. Some people did WebEx, uh, things like that. So uh, to those of you who were uh, really able to uh, capitalize on the, the 
meeting and online programs, kudos to you. I, uh, I saw some really amazing work done, some of it pre-recorded. Um, a lot of it uh, from uh, the National Theater, uh, they did a fantastic, fantastic job of producing uh, shows to be broadcast for later. Uh, and I saw some uh, university uh, uh, shows that were produced as well. Like all things, they come with varying degrees of, of, of results. Uh, my own experience was working with the University of Idaho, where I am currently an, a graduate student uh, working on my MFA. And we did a version of the three trials of Oscar Wilde, Gross Indecency. And it was an interesting uh, experience because part of what makes theater theater is the interaction of the artists and the, the producers and the designers um, all kind of in the same vicinity, usually the same room or same building, um, not necessarily all the way across the, uh, the, the country. But sometimes even in the own vicinity, you can't occupy the same space. So there were a lot of Zoom meetings where people were in two or three offices down from one another, but due to restrictions, couldn't talk to each other really face to face. I mean, there probably was some bending of those, those guidelines, but most of the point, people really respected those, uh, those, those barriers. So the, uh, the important thing is though, that the show, unfortunately, in this really weird catchphrase kind of way, the show did go on. Uh, it's, uh, it's a testament. It's a testament to the ingenuity, the, the imagination, the uh, adaptability, the improvisation to overcome such a big hurdle uh, for uh, what's, uh, what's been an enormous challenge. Now, I know that uh, in some places around the world, some of the theaters are slowly making their way back to some form of normalcy, whatever that may be, because now there is a new normal. Um, how, you, how you're seated, how shows are probably produced, um, how they're cast. And there's been a lot of big sweeping change with the performing arts community. If you've been following any kind of uh, journals or Facebook pages or, or um, professional websites, things like that, you've seen a lot of big sweeping change when it comes to uh, casting, um, the uh, payment of people for their work, um, usually, uh, some of it has been actually, there's been a movement about, uh, interns and, uh, ending unpaid internships, um, which is a whole big, uh, big issue. There is, uh, the, um, the, I want to say the ending of the 10 out of 12, which is an issue unto itself, which has pros and cons to it as well. Um, now, I'm not here to, to curry favor with either side. These are just a lot of the me thinking out loud. But let's go back to uh, the idea of representation and casting, which has become a hot button topic uh, oh, clearly over the last, uh, last uh, 15 months. Um, part of that, um, I was introduced to the uh, We See You White America, uh, the the essay on uh, representation in theater 
by uh, the BIPOC or the Black Indigenous People of Color, which is made for fascinating discussion. Uh, I recently took a class in dramaturgy, uh, and part of our curriculum for the term was to each week read a small section of of that uh, document and talk about it and hopefully foster discussion about how we feel and in some ways kind of confront some of our own biases and prejudices and our gut reactions to what uh, is kind of been impressed upon us. So, you know, you're not, you don't know what your habits are until someone shows you them. I guess, I, I guess that is why I'm trying to get across. You don't know what it is that you're actually doing because you cannot see yourself from outside yourself. Right. So it was a fascinating discussion to have because it raises certain questions about what is a privilege and what is a right what is considered just being human and what is an ask that may be the big ask but really the the smaller battles are what's going to eventually move the the needle um i encourage uh folks to read that and check it out um even if it's not your your particular thing if you're not really comfortable with talking about topics that include race or gender or identity, um, you know, read it from the comfort of your home. Hopefully, find someone that uh, you trust and can have an honest conversation with. And I highly encourage uh, you check it out. Um, Professor Dr. Sarah Campbell at the University of Idaho um, presented us with it, and I'm really thankful that she did. So, um, if you get a chance, check out her work. She does a lot of work on uh, Latin and Hispanic theater. Um, I know that she's doing a lot of work now. I think she's teaching a course in queer theater um, in this upcoming fall. So be sure to check her work out. Um, the next thing that I was uh, interested in that's kind of become a topic was the unpaid uh, theater internships. Now I agree that um, theater interns should be paid full stop. Um, I think that there should be some benefit other than just the exposure of, hey, you get to have the the ability to meet such and such a person or work in the same room. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, like most people say, that doesn't really pay the bills. And how is that, you know, how is that really benefiting the next generation of theater goers and theater producers and theater makers? Um, I never really did an internship for all um, transparency. Uh, I did summer theater. Um, then I got a job working as a carpenter and then bounced around as a freelancer till eventually I started getting um, more regular steady work. Um, I don't think my experience is unique. It just, that's how it played out. But for those who are in a university program or maybe even a high school program and want to get some experience, I think it's important that there is some sort of not, I don't want to say reward or honorarium, but that there is something that says your, the shows that your work is valuable. Your time is valuable. 
um, one of the things that I think people misunderstand about interns is that they're not just labor for the sake of labor and, you know, oh, well, we're going to pay them a full-time jobs wage, but not give them benefits or any of that. Now, clearly there are people out there who are smarter than I when it comes to the ins and outs. Um, I took, of the other things that I took this year, um, was a class on arts management. And let me tell you, people who are gifted and knowledgeable about all the ins and outs of arts management and budgets and things like that are clearly worth the money that you pay them. Uh, it is a, uh, a labyrinth, a maze of numbers and jobs and all sorts of hoops and bureaucracy to, to jump through that I had no clear idea about. Um, I know that I clearly admit that I have been guilty of lambasting um, <laughs> uh, management be like, oh, they don't understand what we're doing. Why aren't they down here? They should know. And you know, when you pu put yourself in their shoes and you see the material that they deal with, you kind of go, oh, okay, I really shouldn't be necessarily so hard on them. Now, doesn't mean that they don't make a, a few mistakes here because we've clearly seen um, in the backlash against uh, uh, the prejudices that we see by management. I'm, you know, we've seen casting uh, uh, denials. We've seen um, uh, uh, whitewashing of particular roles. We've seen all sorts of kind of things that are, we have come back to the surface and bubbled back to the surface. The point is basically is that uh, I didn't know a lot of the details and now I've been shown a lot of the details or some of the details. Uh, and it's daunting and I can understand why there's a lot of pressure and, you know, there's a lot of compromises that artistic directors, managing directors, the folks that make that engine run have to have to have to make each and every day. Uh, some of them, you know, there's this thought that the further you move up the ladder of 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 the of the of the management uh, uh, course, the further you get away from actually being involved in the mix of actually making theater, because your time is spent putting out fires, metaphorical fires, or you know dealing with the bureaucracy, or going to meetings, or you know, doing the stuff that helps make the, the, the theater run and not necessarily being in a tech or acting or any of that, that kind of thing. So hopefully maybe this, this, as we, as we grow as a community, that maybe we get a little bit easier on our, our management folks. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't hold them accountable because they should be held accountable. But we also have to take a look at ourselves and say, as the as the artisans, as the 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 people who are helping make the shows, we have to be held accountable to ourselves as well. Um, so I I I I put that uh, I put that thought out there as a way of hopefully um, making it uh, that we can find a middle ground somewhere. Of course, there's going to be ups and downs, but there's a middle ground of some sort somewhere. Um, but this gets me back to the unpaid internships. When I left Steppenwolf Theater in 2008, I, I had to get something off my chest, which was I said that, you know, the theater that 
we were making was really built on the shoulders of the interns. And while I know I did a certain amount of heavy lifting, the interns that I had the, the, the opportunity and luck to, to work with who, some of them who have gone on to some really fantastic jobs and achieve a lot of great things. Some of them have, have left the business to go on to greater heights in other, other, um, other creative fields. But it was, it was such a, it was such a, a great pair of hands and shoulders to, to have, to, to use, to lean on, when you know i was getting the the squeeze put on me for get having to get things done and whatnot um i could not have done what i needed to do without their assistance um and they should have been paid you know even more in my, in my book um maybe not the most popular opinion a decade plus ago um but i still hold to the that you know I still hold to that. I still believe that, you know, these are, these are folks who you're not supposed to take advantage of them in the sense of, you know, this is their good nature and we need to harden them and, and break them and, and make them really earn the, 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 the right to, to be there. And I think that's a bunch of garbage. I think that's, that's, that's a silly, silly, uh, argument. Um, that that's like hazing. There's no need to haze that, you know, that we we have done and said and acted in ways that are clearly not um, acceptable nowadays. We've said things, <laughs> and I I again I'm guilty of of doing some of the doing some of that. Um, partly because that was what was passed on to me, and for me I need to break that cycle and not do that. That's it has to end with my generation, the next generation. And we have to keep working on ending the cycles of this type of, uh, of, of taking advantage of people who are willing to, to put aside some of their, their life and their, their times to spend in a darkened theater doing weird hours. Uh, and you know, with the, with the intent of, of being theater makers. So that's my two cents on that. The last thing, um, I was, uh, I, I've been following was the ending of the 10 out of 12. Now, if now, I, again, I'm assuming that most of you are theater makers of, of some sort and that the 10 of the, when I say 10 out of 12, it's not something that is a total foreign concept to you that the it's basically working 10 hours in a 12 hour day. So if you were to start at noon, you would go until midnight, but you would have at least two hours worth of, of breaks. So you'd have an hour uh, meal break and then a series of other breaks that made the equivalent of the, the, the two hours. Um, there are a lot, there are some variations of that. Um, some of that is voted on, I've seen by uh, the, the company that be, may be making it. Um, I think that there's, there's always some sort of form of compromise, whether it be with actors' equity or something. Uh, now, I, hopefully someone corrects me if I'm grossly off the reservation on, on that. But uh, basically it's, you're working a long day uh, and 10 of those hours are, are working hours. Um, having been through that process, um, what I can say is that one of the things, and this is more than likely come up many a time, is that the uh, technical staff or tech crew, uh, t 
tend to take bear the brunt of of this in the sense that our day doesn't start at uh, twelve o'clock; it starts at nine o'clock, or when we show up at the theater. Uh, and that may be coming in to set up tech tables, do do um, light checks, do sound checks, um, have to reset the stage for various things. Um, say the designer, whoever it may be, uh, wants to come in and do notes before tech comes and gets going. That is probably one of the things that kind of that certainly gets overlooked. I've worked many a day, and again, my again my experience is not unique. There are a lot of you who have who have said, you know what, this is what I do. You know, um, this is part of the part of the job, and this is what uh, is required of doing the job. Which is one of those things that I go back and forth on. Uh, in that, um, for example, and and this may be uh, not the best example, but if you want to be in the NFL you have to go through a certain process to to be considered good enough to, to be on the starting lineup it means playing high school ball it means playing college football and doing so requires so much time in the weight room it means so much studying it means so much watching film and and so on and so forth and you keep going and keep going and keep going and then hopefully if you are one of the very lucky few you you get drafted but that doesn't guarantee that you're making an nfl roster you still have to compete for your job if you're a later round draft pick um, if you're in the first or second round more than likely you're making the, the main roster but if not then you know you're you're fighting with uh the the second or third uh guy on the on the roster dwayne the rock johnson um, wanted to be uh, a, a major uh, football player, but his teammate was Warren Sapp. He never got back on the field, and he did work, and he did you know he did what he thought it was that took him to get on the on the field, but he just he wasn't going to outcompete with Warren Sapp. Uh, Ray Lewis was on that team as well. Again, these are guys who outworked everybody. They did what it needed to take to make it onto the main roster. My point is, is that when you're first cutting your teeth into theater, you're doing what you believe is the right thing to do to make it to the, the main roster of theater. You know, it's, it's meeting people, it's drafting, it's doing a bunch of shows, it's, it's, you know, getting your name out there and so on and so forth. There are so, there are only so many spots to be, Broadway lighting designers. There's only so many spots to be Broadway scenographers or scenic designers. There's only so many spots. I mean, there was a run there for a while where it seemed like the same half a dozen people were being nominated for the shows on Broadway. Does that make sense? No, but that's how the game works and how it was played. So, you know, so when people say, well, you got to do a 10 out of 12, it's like, well, okay, that's the price for getting through and being on the team that's what you have to do because ultimately you know like most businesses uh they'll cut you you know i i suffered that i worked on uh on a on a, on a call list and i missed a few phone calls and, and things like that and eventually i fell off the list you know and then some of it was my own doing but then i got i got mad at it i was like well why are they doing this don't they see my value so on and so forth this brings me to the other side. We shouldn't be killing ourselves. We really shouldn't be doing so much for so little or what we believe is going to be the, the, uh, 
the the the, the greater good because what happens people take advantage of you people take advantage of your willingness they take advantage of your uh you can't say no uh uh attitude and that's wrong as well so um the the point in as as i come round back to the 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 10 out of 12 do i think the 10 out of 12 is going to go away probably not anytime relatively soon because theaters still need to produce shows and producers want to get shows on they they don't want their theaters being dark when you figure out how to build in enough time to make it so that people can produce a show in eight out of tens or some form of that uh, and get the shows up on their feet and into an audience's uh, into an audience's grasp, then maybe they'll find a, a way around it. Uh, you know, the producers are only happy if there's a butt every eighteen inches, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a cavalier kind of way. But there's that attitude. If if that seat isn't filled, that's a that's another seat that isn't making me money. Um. So we're just going to have to wait and see. I, I do sense that there's going to be some shift, maybe not seismic, maybe not cataclysmic, but there's going to be some shift in uh, how theater is uh, produced and how it's, how it's digested. And, and, and hopefully the audiences will be willing to, to give it a shot. I mean, look at uh, what we see on TV nowadays. Um, in our commercials and uh, the representation now that's being seen there and how that's being uh, changed. It's such a wonderful thing to be able to talk about change again. It's such a wonderful thing to think about how we were growing, um, albeit in, in very, very small pieces because there are still horrible uh, uh, roadblocks. Some of them are usually people um, and attitudes that are, 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 are in the way. Um, but from this, uh, from this uh, fire that has kind of leveled our, our forest, um, hopefully new, uh, new things will spring forth and new growth and new ideas and a new life will, will come from it. So that, uh, that's kind of been what's been roaming around as I've been reading uh, online journals and paying attention to what's going on. Uh, and through the Facebook groups and things like that, which leads me to, I want to once again say thank you to everybody who has participated in some way, um, big or small, to the Archiving Technical Theater History Facebook group. Um, you have been amazing and wonderful, and I look forward to bringing some better content, some new content to you. Uh, also, be sure to check out uh, some of the other things that I'm starting to get myself involved in. Certainly, the USITT International Activities page, please go check it out. There's so much great information that is now coming, uh, coming your way, um, whether it be theater in Africa, uh, shows in Europe, shows in uh, places that you aren't familiar with, uh, or something that may be close to home. Or, for example, there are opportunities to be a writer if you're if you're into that, or to you know to write for different journals. Maybe you're uh, maybe you prefer uh, a different language, whether it be French, Spanish, uh, uh, Polish, Russian. Um, I've seen all sorts of calls for for people 
to express themselves and get their work out there. And I think it's a great opportunity uh, for for folks who uh, who speak other languages to really take advantage of. Coming up uh, this week, hopefully, if you hear this, uh, the PQ 2023 is releasing its theme and its call for uh, participants at the Proud Quadrennial um, in 2023. Um, it'll be a great experience. We'll have hopefully a year and a half of maybe a quiet and uh, the changing of the rules with along with the pandemic. Also, also I can't forget world stage design uh, is coming up. It got postponed a year, but it's going to be back. It's going to be better than ever in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So let's go, let's go uh, to Canada. Let's go support uh, the, the folks uh, at, um, at World Stage Design. Uh, oh boy, let's see. Is there anything else that I can think of? Um, I don't want to take this too long. I just want to keep th this relatively uh, concise for you. But thank you again so much. If you want to reach me, I'm at archivett24 at yahoo.com. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-E number two, number four, tt at yahoo.com. This is the Archiving Technical Theater History Podcast, episode number 120. My name is Rich Bryant. Thank you and good night.